Hi everyone and welcome back to the Social Work Bubble podcast. I'm your host Laura and I currently practice as a therapist in New York City. I have both my bachelor's and master's degree in social work and right now I'm practicing as both a therapist in an outpatient mental health clinic as well as a therapist in a private practice. Today I actually started part-time at my new job at private practice and in two weeks I will have my last day in outpatient mental health and then we'll be full-time at the private practice. Today um, we're going to dive into all of that. We're going to talk about my recent transition into joining a private practice, leaving community mental health, you know the reasons I decided to leave, how I got my new job, and also what the termination process has been like with my clients. So we have a lot of ground to cover today, so we'll just dive right in. Um, let's start with why I decided to leave. So if you've been following my social work journey for a little bit, you would know that I was at a community mental health clinic for my grad school field practice. I stayed on as a clinician after I graduated with my MSW because I was happy to have formed a client base that I wanted to continue working with and they offered me a job there Um, and so I continued to work as a therapist after graduation. I eventually built my caseload up to I think the highest it was at was 54 clients, some of whom I saw twice a week. So it was pretty stressful. During that time, I also facilitated a teen trauma support group as well as a parent support group. And I was also the task supervisor for Um, other agency clinicians to review and kind of train on documentation and more administrative tasks. So there was certainly a lot going on for me. Um, Some other things about my role as a therapist at this particular community mental health clinic was there were really no limits as to who I worked with. I tried to focus in and specialize, so I did primarily treat people with depression, anxiety, and trauma. I actually had a lot of clients that also had ADHD. Most of the children I worked with either had ADHD or PTSD, or both, (laughs) Um, or we were still trying to rule out one or the other. That's a whole other side note, though. Um, And then many of the adults I worked with... Um, I also had quite a few individuals that had a personality disorder that were experiencing psychosis and I had a few high-risk patients that were high risk from for harming themselves or harming others Um, so not only was my caseload quite large but the people I supported that were part of that caseload were in high need of a lot of support there was even a couple where we were considering having them transitioned elsewhere because community mental health maybe was not sufficient for their needs. So it was very, very busy. Um, A little bit ago, I had done a podcast about burnout. And basically what had happened was, (laughs) given the things I just said, I burnt out. I was only a year post-grad school, graduating grad school, and it was just overwhelming. I had a crazy caseload. And on top of that, I live in Manhattan, and my office was in Brooklyn. So my commute, I 
choose to drive to work just for some personal reasons. And so my commute, I would typically have to leave an hour and a half earlier and then it'd take me about an hour to get home, which is almost three hours out of my day just traveling. Um, That's been the blessing about working from home is it takes away from that commute, which is nice. So I have more time in my day for other things that I need to do. So there was that aspect of it. At this community mental health clinic, there's also no cancellation fee. There's no... It it also felt like people didn't really take it seriously, like they would a doctor's appointment. So it's like they would keep other appointments, but there was a difficulty and a disconnect in terms of keeping their mental health appointments. And despite many conversations and having those boundaries, that just continued to be a pattern that I saw. Not that I'm a fan of cancellation fees, because I do think we want to be mindful of socioeconomic status and that people are are in need. And, you know, if we're treating people with mental health needs, we're also going to be impacted by what those symptoms are. So we can't expect people to have it all together when, (laughs) you know, they're being treated for depression or anxiety when the symptoms of that mean that they're going to struggle in those areas. So part of me also had some leniency there and try to find this balance of reinforcing those rules while also providing space for people so I could meet them where they're at so they don't just lose all their services and treatment because they were having a really hard time with their mental health condition. So with that, you know, I became burnt out very quickly, very fresh out of grad school. Um, This last month, I just turned 24. So as an intern and then as a new clinician, I was still... I was 22 and 23 years old. I'm a young person. (laughs) I live in New York City. And I think part of the dream is like, you have time to live life. And for me, it just felt like those two years, especially with the pandemic, it just passed by. And what did I do with my life? You know, I think I did a lot of good work in terms of being a social worker and being a therapist. And I'm proud of the things I was able to accomplish professionally. But I'd get home at the end of the day and I'd just fall asleep. I wasn't running like I used to, I wasn't journaling, I wasn't prioritizing my own well-being and self-care, and I started to see that impact my life in very negative ways. So that was something I wanted to keep in mind. There was also this pressure to continue to take on clients all the time, even though my caseload was already crazy, and... Even after trying to reiterate that I wasn't accepting new clients, it just seemed to always be something that was asked of me. And to me, I didn't like that because it did create this feeling that they were just trying to wear me down until I said yes. Um, So I wasn't wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, But overall, I'm very grateful for the experience I had at Community Mental Health. I think it was... It was truly a phenomenal learning experience. I was able to work with such a general range of people in terms of ages. My youngest client is five. My oldest client is 65. So it really was a breadth of experience and knowledge that I was able to kind of hone my skills at and to also gain an understanding of what I really like in therapy. Like, 
what I really am good and skilled and enjoy treating, kind of what areas to specialize in and focus in on. And so that was really helpful too, to be able to give in the space and opportunity to grow in that way. Um, I also wasn't micromanaged, which was always very nice. Um, everyone worked relatively independently. Um, but then there was also the tremendous, tremendous piles of paperwork and which, you know, isn't necessarily an agency flaw because we were regulated by the Office of Mental Health. Those were, we were just following federal requirements for documentation and services, but it was draining and we just had to, it, it was just so much, so much. So all of that Oh, I do want to add too, I'm very grateful for my experience there. I started there as an intern and I think I really, even in a short time, grew tremendously as a therapist and was really able to hone a lot of skill to really connect with people and to really get a good understanding of what my strengths are, what things I want to be mindful of when I'm practicing. And they supported me and gave me that space as an intern and then as a clinician. And I will always be very grateful for having that opportunity. Um, so basically, I, I, I did decide to leave for a few reasons. Um, part of it was I have student loans to pay. <laughs> So honestly, when I say financial reason, that was a big contribution. You know, I live in New York City. I am a young person. I'm getting married next year. Um, I require, unfortunately, under the capitalistic society in which we reside, you require finances in order to live. And I had a lot of expenses in my life and in my life coming up. So I had to be mindful of that and the way that it was working with cancellations and no-shows, I was exuding a lot of time and effort for things I wasn't necessarily being compensated for. Not saying that you should only do things when you're compensated for them, but this work is hard and, you know, the expectation is that you have a master's degree and a license, so you should be compensated accordingly. <laughs> they, you know, and so that way it makes sense for the loans that you had to go in debt for so you could reach those employment requirements. So that was something I had to keep in mind. A big part of it also was time freedom. I had a crazy caseload and a big part of that was also because of financial reasons because I, I knew some clients weren't going to show up <laughs> or I knew in terms of, you know, my commute and my needs and just the cost of living, I needed to just have that many clients to survive. Um, and so it just took up a lot of my time. I, because I was working all the time, I didn't have time for the social work bubble, uh, for the podcast, for the blog, for Instagram for anything. I didn't have time for any of that, which you guys have seen. You know, you guys have really seen that pattern of, oh, I know it's been a while on the podcast or I know it's been a while on the blog or whatever. And that's been a direct result of the not having a work-life balance and not having the time. With this private practice, I have started at, um, it seems like the average and the majority of clinicians have 
35 clients. The minimum is 30. No one has above 40 clients, which is crazy to me because I literally have 55. And I was really able to start over with my schedule to really be able to figure out what days would work for me and to craft a schedule that opened up my time. So basically, my new schedule is going to be Monday and Tuesday, 1 o'clock to 7 o'clock, and Wednesday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., which is such a magnificent schedule. (laughs) Um, And also a big part of this new job is that it's only a 20-minute commute on the train. So basically, I won't have to take my car anywhere. Um, I'll be able to just I just have to be mindful of alternate street parking, but I'll just have it for like weekends or when I'm traveling out of town, which does happen quite frequently since I have family that lives away. And like I said, I'm planning a wedding that the venue's a few hours away. So there's a lot of coordination things that are going on. I use my car a lot for those reasons, um, but I don't need it if, you know, I'm in Manhattan and all I have to do is hop on a train and I'm there in 20 minutes. That's crazy that I'm able to do that now, Um, which significantly helps with my morning routine. So right now, because I work at, I work 11 to 8, Monday through Friday, when I go into the office on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I have to leave at 9.30 in the morning to work at 11 o'clock, and I get done at 8, and I don't get back until 9 o'clock at night. And so even though my hours aren't bad because I've crammed all my therapy sessions in back to back to fit within the 11 to 8 time frame, there is still some overflow. Um, but it's also just like draining that I have to sacrifice that time in the mornings. Whereas I, if I was closer to home, I would gain an hour, two hours a day, which for everything I have going on in my life is insane. (laughs) That's crazy to be able to get that much time. That's time for a workout. That's time to read. That's time to work on all the projects I'm working on. That's time to plan a wedding. So that was a huge, huge part of it as well. Um, Another big part was I think just the agency, the agency cohesion, um, the supportive environment, um, a lot of the therapists, I really felt like I related to them based on what I was seeing, so that was, um, definitely something I was looking at and even just communicating when I was applying for these jobs I primarily looked for jobs through Indeed um, but in New York City um, you go onto the special website if you want to apply to any jobs in corrections or in hospitals because New York City health and hospitals basically provide social workers for schools for like corrections for basically anything. So if you want to work in any of those areas, you have to go into the NYC health and hospitals career hub, whatever it is. Um, I had applied to two therapy positions in a corrections facility. The hours were also eight to four um, and the commute wasn't bad. I never heard back from those jobs, funny enough, Um, but I continued to apply. I also applied to a school social work job, which I didn't think I would get because especially in New York City, um, they really only look for LCSWs and I was just an LMSW. Um, 
And then I found this Indeed listing for this private practice and I'm reading it and I'm just like, there's no way. Like this job is too perfect. It's hitting everything that I would want. This is literally like the perfect job. There's no way that this place can be so supportive and so amazing. So I applied anyways. Um, and obviously I got the job, which was very exciting, but that was just crazy. That was, it was a wild experience to really found, find something. And it took me a few weeks. I had been looking for a job for a few weeks. Um, I'd been waiting, I'd been applying, but once I applied to this job, I heard back very quickly. And within like a week or two, we, I had officially like signed the contract to start working. So basically that was that. Um, I handed in my letter of resignation on September 24th, which was a Friday. My last day at the Community Mental Health Clinic is October 22nd. Today, the day I'm recording this, is October 11th. Today's my first day at the private practice. We basically agreed I would start today on a part-time basis. So I can start setting up phone consultations, I can start setting up intake appointments, um, but at a very gradual pace in the next two weeks. I'm still working full-time at the Community Mental Health Clinic. Um, and then when I officially, my full official day is going to be October 25th, that's I'll also be in the office, I'll be working more full-time. But I thought that was good because by the time I'm done with the community mental health job officially, I won't have to wait around so long to schedule clients. I'll already have that process moving along, which is really nice. So, yeah. Um, Friday, September 24th, I handed in my resignation. Monday, September 27th, I started telling clients that I was leaving. In mental health and in social work, it is very important in most to all situations that you give a month's notice. And that has been something that has been keenly important because I also am incredibly busy. If I hadn't given my clients this amount of time, I it's also good for you to have a month's notice because it's not just the emotional aspect of terminating with clients, but leaving a job has a lot of strings attached to it. You know, you have to set everybody up with a new therapist if they're not able to come with you. You have to do discharge paperwork. You have to make sure your documentation is all in and on time. You have to do any exit interviews and administrative work. It is a lot to wrap up and end a job. And... A month goes by very, very quickly. I think if I'd given myself any less time, I would have gone crazy. So, a month's notice is essential. Now, this process of termination with clients, I'm going to be honest, my experience has been a mixed bag. Um, I was very, very, very nervous to tell clients that I was leaving. There were a few clients that had just been transferred to me, even though I already said I wasn't accepting new clients. Um, but I had started working with them. We had only been working together for a few weeks. And now I'm just like, hey, you're getting a new therapist. So that really sucked. I did not like that part. And then there were some clients I'd been working with since my first day as an intern, where, you know, we'd been working together since, oh my goodness fall of 2019 so for two years and which seems like so long but also not that long 
and just the, to be able to reflect on our treatment and the progress and the growth and the things that we were able to do in that time was therapeutic in itself and and was emotional i had some clients take it really well i had some clients pretend to take it well and then get more emotional when i explored it with them i had some clients that were instantly upset instantly i had one client start shouting at me and basically saying why are you doing this to me and shouting no no don't leave why are you doing this it's unfortunate because the population i work with are people that have anxiety depression and trauma primarily so i work with a lot of people that have low self-esteem that have anxiety that have a lot of relationship and attachment issues because of their trauma and so for me someone that they built a really awesome cool therapeutic relationship with it brought up a lot of those same feelings of anxiety of anger of you know the things that come with trauma and attachment so it was something to process giving that four-week space was necessary because that was honestly a, an important part for a lot of them. They even mentioned that to me was some of them even thanked me <laughs> for giving them time. So it wasn't just sudden. I think a few of the people I work with, they've had really bad experiences in the past where therapists didn't inform them of like the treatment process. And all of a sudden it was their last session and the therapist told them that day, it's our last session, which should never be done. Ever. And I don't know what is going through these people's minds for these therapists who are supposed to be trained professionals. <laughs> Why you would ever do that unless it's absolutely the only option, which I still don't understand how that could be. So it, that's been a process in itself. But like I said, as the day that I'm recording this on, I still have two weeks left of my job. So fully this week, and next week, which doesn't seem like that long. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Um, so there's a lot to wrap up. I'm also helping my clients get connected with new therapists, navigating wait lists, getting connected with someone they feel is a good fit. Um, and it's just a lot. I'm also behind on my paperwork, of course. Um, so I have that to do. But I think a big part of the termination process has also been vulnerability and honesty from me. I think that's what my clients really needed to hear was that this was not a decision that I just made. And I told them this was something, this was a decision I did not take lightly. It was something I had taken time in thinking about and you know this isn't this isn't a normal job to leave you know because we have built a relationship that has been meaningful that has resulted in progress or change or whatever and to have to end that is difficult no matter what side of this relationship you're on and so i think for them for a lot of my clients that was very meaningful for them to hear because this doesn't go one way i think a lot of people can think well it's still a professional relationship which is true but 
therapy is emotional and you do form a connection with someone. And yes, we want that to be professional. There's obviously boundaries to what that means. But I think it was really validating for my clients to hear it wasn't just them. Like, this isn't just a job to me. I take this seriously. And the progress that we've made and the treatment that we've done was meaningful and important to me. And that the, that it's not an easy process to leave no matter who you are. I think that validated a lot of what they were feeling because no one wants to feel like it's just them that's sad. You know, it's like, I don't want to compare a professional relationship to a breakup, but it's almost more meaningful or I don't know, it's more validating when you know the other person's hurting too. You know, and it's not like I cried or I, I didn't do any of that, but just sharing my own thoughts and how I made that decision, I think that was helpful for them. And of course, we self-disclose what we're comfortable with if we feel it's only if we feel if it's helpful for the client's journey. And we still want to keep that in mind in termination. So the next couple of weeks, we're still going to be wrapping that up. Um, once I get into full-time and private practice, I'm sure I'll do another podcast on the changes that I've noticed, you know, as you have to give me some time to adjust, but after I've been working there for a little bit, I'll probably do a podcast on those true changes and we'll dive more into that. Um, but for now, that's a, that's about it. Um, I'm really enjoying everything so far. The next two weeks is going to be a little crazy. Um, but please let me know if you guys have left outpatient mental health, if you guys have gone into private practice or joined a private practice, what's that process been like for you? What were some of those influential factors? You know, what, what went into that decision? You know, and what things do you miss or not miss about community mental health or private practice? Um, I'd love to hear everyone's stories and experiences. So you can share in the comments or wherever platform you're listening on. Um, you can also follow me at Social Work Bub on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. You can check out the Social Work Bubble Etsy shop where I provide worksheets and activities for social workers, therapists, and other mental health professionals. And my website, thesocialworkbubble.com. I hope you're all staying safe and I look forward to continuing to grow together in the wonderful field of social work. Thank you. Thank you.